Good morning. It's another day's journey, and I'm glad about it. And I don't think I'm the only one in this house that's thankful and glad to be able to be in the house of the Lord one more time. We're celebrating Black History Month, and we haven't always had the privileges that we have today. We need to look back and remember that at one time, they didn't even want us to know how to read. They didn't want us to read the Bible. But thank God for leaders. Thank God for men and women that went to bat for us. And now we are blessed to be able to come in here and to worship the Lord in spirit as well as in truth. For he definitely deserves our praise. And I think the Lord, he deserves at least about 10 seconds of our praise right now. Because he's been mighty good. Somebody was sick, but you're back in church today. Somebody had some bills, but somehow you paid those bills. We have so much to be thankful for. Let us pray. Father God, we do thank you, Lord. Thank you for blessing us in so many ways. Father, we do understand and we realize that if each and every one of us had 10,000 tongues, we still couldn't praise you enough because you've done for us and you've looked out for us even when we didn't do for ourselves. You were there. For that, Lord, we are grateful. Father God, we pray not just for K Chapel Missionary Baptist, but Lord, we pray for every church door that's open this morning. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For Lord, we see that Satan is busy. We see men, women, boys, and girls that look like they are losing their very minds. So right now, Father, we ask that you would give us strength. Give us knowledge, give us wisdom. Best of all, Lord, give us the anointing of your Holy Spirit. For we know that, yeah, Satan does have some power, but Lord, we know that you are all powerful. We know that this world, yes, it is full of trouble, but we know that you have overcome the world. So Lord God, we call in on your holy and righteous name. Bless everything that we do here today, Lord, so that nothing we do will be in vain. Bless the choir. Bless their voices. Bless their spirits. Bless the word as it is, is read to us through scriptures. But then most of all, Lord, when the God-man comes to preach the word, let us not just be hearers. Bless us to be doers of your holy and righteous name. And we will forever give you all of the praise and all of the glory. And all of the people of God said amen, 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 amen. and amen. Lift every voice and sing.
And that word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of man, all mankind. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. May the Lord add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and doers of his holy and inspired word. Let us bow and go in prayer, family. Father God, we're grateful for this beautiful day and opportunity to give you all the honor, praise, and glory. It's yours, Lord. And we thank you for the amazing gift that allows us to come together in the sanctuary and by live stream one more time to worship your holy name, Jesus Christ. Man, there's something about that name, Jesus. Heavenly Father, empower us with your Holy Spirit as we go deeper into worship this morning. Lord, bless us with the opportunity. We're just thankful for the opportunity for 28 days of fasting, praying, and learning that would bring us closer together as a church family and deepen our personal relationship with you. And as we celebrate our Black History Month, let us remember the events and the contributions that African Americans have made. And let us continue to recognize their dedication and their sacrifices. And Lord, continue to inspire us throughout the year to seek knowledge and understanding of our black history. Let us pray. So God say, Amen. Good morning, Kay Chapel. Good morning. Uh, in recognition of Heart Month, the health ministry is asking that next Sunday everybody wear red. That's February 18th. And in the spirit of unity, we are receiving that. Amen? Amen. On our website, you should be able to find now the different symptoms between men and women that would actually uh, give you some indication that you may be having a heart attack. And we do want you to go and get those annual exams. Amen? Uh, the Walton Elementary School Drive continues for the month of February. Uh, help us purchase summer reading books for the children of Walton. A $20 donation ensures each child receives two books. Donate as much as you desire. 
but at least $20. Amen, and that can be done on your envelope, online, etc. The uh, Case Chapel Sunday School Department will present a Black History Month program entitled African Americans in the Arts, Past and Present on Sunday, February 25th at 9.30 a.m. in the Family Life Center. Please come, even if you're not a regular Sunday school attendee, please come and support our young people. The Youth Department Museum trip will take place on February 24th from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. This trip is required for participation in the National Baptist Congress Convention. Sign up today on our Kate Chapel website, young people. The 28 day plus two days of prayer and, de and devotion continues throughout this month. Visit the website and you will see that uh, kchapel.org, uh, 28 days for a, uh, educational information on the devotional guide and the fasting guide. Uh, join corporate prayer each Wednesday, each uh, Monday. Is it just Monday? Every day, yes, at uh, 6 a.m. and join Bible study on Wednesday from 7 a.m. as we go through the devotion together. Uh, there is a special award, and uh, she's not here at this time, but um, I promise Ms. May Jones, on behalf of Councilman Stokes, we would recognize our own. Uh, you know, we, we believe in that here at Kate Chapel, right? J.B. Harrington was here, he would say, it's a poor frog that don't croak in its own pie. This award is a lifetime legacy and recognition award. It is called the Michelle Obama Award for loyalty and dedicated service. And it is to be presented to Dr. Latricia Buckley. Can we stand and, and she'll see this on tape a little later and give our very own First Lady a recognition that Councilman Stokes and the Black History gave her this award for her dedicated service. Amen. Thank you. Now, the moment you've been waiting for. <laughs> I don't know what I'll do that, Reverend. <laughs> Good morning, K. Chapel. Good morning. Well, this is the time where we all get the opportunity now to bless the Lord through our giving. Now, we know here at K. Chapel that there's primarily three reasons why we give. The first reason why we give is as a sign of uh, a demonstration of obedience to God's word. And the second reason why we give is, K as a sign of giving thanksgiving to God for providing all provisions in our lives. And the third reason why we give here at Cade Chapel is simply because we want to see the kingdom of God grow through the ministry and missions that occur here through our city, our state, our nation, and even around the world. You know about the multiple ways in which you can give. You can mail it in, use Cade Chapel app, or you can use the... Uh, number that's on the screen for our visitors. We just want to remind you also that you can bless the Lord through your giving as you go out the door and drop it off in the basket. 
So our spoken word for today, it comes from Acts chapter 20, verse 35. And it says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So how much you give, we do encourage you to do so cheerfully as well as liberally. For our God loves a cheerful giver. God bless you.
I'm glad about it. Thank you. Let us bow and pray. Father God, thank you for uh, these blessings that we receive. Bless now the gift of givers and those who desire to give in the method in which we gave through. Lord, we thank you for accepting these offerings and may be used for the uplifting of your kingdom. These are more blessings in your holy son Jesus' name. Amen. five or six people that's willing to say, that's willing to stand up and say they know the Lord has made a difference in their life. Furthermore, I need to know that you're glad about it.
Listen, listen. God promises to offer comfort to those who seek him. When pain and illness strike you or your loved ones, remember these comforting words. And this comes from the NIV version. It says in Isaiah 41.10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you with my, I will strengthen you and help you and will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We ask that you continue to keep our bereaved families in your prayers. The Levi, Gentry, Shelby, and Carter families. Brother Al Levy, the husband of Sister Mary Duvall Levy, transitioned last week. There will be a memorial service held for Brother Levy on March 9th at 11 o'clock a.m. here at Cade Chapel. Deacon Marcus Gentry, his first cousin passed, Mr. Kevin DeMond Gentry. The service for Mr. Gentry was held on yesterday, February 10th, I'm sorry, Friday, uh, February 10th at New Hope Baptist Church on Beasley Road here in Jackson. Mrs. Jacquinette Wiley of San Diego, California, the sister of Sister Valerie Shelby, has also transitioned. The service for Miss Wiley is incomplete at this time and will be shared when made available, avail available to us. Mr. Victor Carter, the son of deceased brother Bobby and sister Emma Pearl Jones, and the nephew of deceased sister Edith Carter is another one that has transitioned. The service for Mr. Carter is tentatively scheduled for Saturday, February 17th at 2 o'clock p.m. in the chapel at Jackson Memorial Funeral Home here in Jackson. We have in the hospital, nursing home, or in rehab, Brother Limus Magruder. We are asking you to pray for Mother Aline Sutton and her family. Mother Sutton is in the hospital over at UMC. Also keep Sister Sandra Sellers in your prayers. She will be having surgery on tomorrow, Monday, February 12th. Recovering at home, we have Brother Cameron Hollins, Brother Christ Christopher Levine, Brother Glenn Barnes, Sister Annie Poindexter, Sister Mary Poindexter, Sister Anita Shaw, Sister Johnny Jackson, Reverend Leroy Harrington, Mr. Melvin Scott, Brother John Saunders, Brother Kavara Collins, and Brother Willie Lindsay. Also asking for prayer is Mr. William Carter. Those related to church members that are asking for prayer are Miss Lena Perry, Mr. Leonis Bonner, Mr. Keith Fogger, Miss Dolores Phillips, Mr. Larry Milton, Miss Demetrius Wallace, Mr. Clyde Cameron, Miss Renee Collins, Miss Laquana Caston, and Javante Noel. We ask that as you travel or call during the week, remember to visit or call all the members in our long-term care. We have three cards here. The first one says, with thanks. We thank you guys at Kate Chapel for your constant prayers and well wishes as Kaz battled and fought cancer. He is cancer-free 
and we appreciate you guys. Thanks, the Smith family. And another card says, to the entire K Chapel Church, thank you for your texts, phone calls, and most of all, for your prayers during my illness. This is from Sister Anita Shaw. And our last card, it says, Dear K Chapel ministers and membership, thank you for, thank you doesn't even begin to cover how grateful I am, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Thank you for real, for everything. You're the best. Love, Barry W. Ford. And another, uh, let me find it real quick. I have another re prayer request here for a young man by the name of Evan White. Evan, are you here? It seems that Evans and some of his classmates or schoolmates Will, from St. Andrews High School will be journeying to Howard University uh, in, on February 15th. They are traveling there for a debate. So they're asking for a traveling grace. So we ask that as they travel, amen, amen. We ask that as you travel, as you call, pray when you can, visit where you can, and each day thank God that you can. Let us pray. Father God, we come now thanking you for the blessings you bestowed upon us. Father, we thank you for your loving heart, for your all-seeing eyes. Father, we thank you because in your word you said that new mercies are granted each day. So Father, we just come this morning to say thank you. Thank you for all those that are ill. We ask, oh Lord, that you will look down on them now. All those that have lost family members, Father, we ask that you will comfort them now, Lord. Father, we love you, we need you, and we realize, oh Lord, that we can do nothing without you. But these are other blessings we ask in the name of that son, Jesus, we pray, amen. Good morning, family. As we prepare our hearts for the man of God to bring a word from God, the choir, and you see where we're growing, our choir family wants to invite you into God's presence as we think about the light, as we think about the light of the world, as we walk in the light, remembering, this is Black History Month, remembering those who have gone before and sowing seeds into our youth because they are the ones to come. Our prayer this morning, say it with me, we want to walk in the light, walk in the light. So come on and walk in the light with us, amen? Can we go to the God in prayer in that way? Amen.
Jesus, Jesus. He's the light. Father, for sending us your son. Thank you for him being such a marvelous light. He draws us out of where we are to where we ought be. Thank you for your word being a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. Thank you for your light that ever shines. Now, God, illuminate on us. Reveal to us your word as only you can. Make us better. Make us brighter. Make us more like you. In Jesus' name, for his sake we pray, amen and amen. Can we bless God this morning? Give God a great big praise. Hallelujah. Somebody said, now, what are we praising God for? Because I'm looking at a testimony out there. We've been praying and talking about Anita Shaw on the sick list, and she's sitting right out there. Somebody ought to thank God this morning. God is a good God, amen. His mercy is everlasting. We thank him for who he is and all the awesome things that he does, amen. Amen. Good to see each of you, my father's children. I see Ben and Cedric are here. McNeil, we always thank God for them coming home and anybody else who might be visiting home. We thank God for you as well. Amen. Amen. We invite you to join in with us in the reading of God's holy word found in the gospel according to John. The gospel according to John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5. And then we're going to skip down to verse 14. Chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 and then verse 14. These words you will find recorded in the beginning was the word word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. The darkness comprehendeth it not. Verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as, on, as of the only begotten of the Father, full 
of grace and truth. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk simply from the subject, you and God's word. You and God's word. According to Publishers Weekly, the best-selling print book in the United States in 2023 is a book that was actually published in 2016. It was the best-seller in 2023, but it was published in 2016. It's a romance novel by the name of It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover. It sold just over 1.9 million copies in the U.S. alone. The second, the second highest-selling book was also written by this same author. So numbers one and two are held by this same author, Colleen Hoover, it, too, is a romance novel written in 2022, and it's entitled, It Starts With Us. So it starts with us, and it ends with us. Both are the one and two spots in 2023. Uh, 1.29 million and 1.24 million. Those are strong sales for any book. But would it surprise you to know that even if you combined those numbers, 1.29 and 1.24 of Hoover's 2023 sales, that the Bible still outsold it by 17.5 million copies in the U.S. In fact, it is estimated that there are about 20 million copies of the Bible sold in the United States every year outselling every popular author, every New York Times bestseller, every biography and autobiography. No other book outsells the Bible in the United States. No other book. It's the bestseller every year. The question, however, must be raised, what do such strong sales of the Bible really mean? Because in America, while we sell more and more Bibles, I would suggest that we're less and less biblical. We're selling a lot of Bibles. But to what effect? We publish God's word, but somehow we fail to produce the fruit that should come from reading God's word. We market the word of God, and yet we fail in the making of the word of God into flesh. We lift up the Ten Commandments as a standard for human relationships, and yet we serve the gods of money and power. We dishonor the Sabbath by filling it with activities that disrupt restoration and renewal and rededication. We raise children in every generation who seem to find new ways to dishonor their parents. We, 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 we keep talking about the need to uh, love each other, but we disrespect and we disregard the needs of our neighbors, only thinking of ourselves and what serves best our communities and those who fit in our tribes. We bear false witness convincing people that what they saw and what they heard on January 6th didn't really happen. We call out the sins of others and look over the moral failures and the ethical inconsistencies in which we engage. And so while it sounds 
sounds good and we can applaud that we're a country that sells more Bibles than any other book. The real question is, what does it profit a man to have a Bible in his hands and never the words of the Lord in his heart? What, what does it profit a man to have the word of God on his coffee table and the word of God never to be written upon the tablets of his heart? What good is it to have Bibles in print but never have the conscience and the subconscience imprinted with the living word of a loving God? The reality is this, that while Bible sales are high, biblical literacy is low. And while biblical literacy is low, biblical living is even lower. People simply do not know what the Bible says and are even less interested in what the Bible means for them and their lifestyle. In this postmodern world of ours, the reality is that we look much like those whom the Bible describes as being close to God with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. Even, even among Christians, biblical literacy is on the decline. Bible facts and figures that were once common knowledge are now things that Christians may or may not know. For example, the Barna Research Group reported in recent years that only 60% of American adults can even name five of the Ten Commandments. 12% of Christians... 12% of Christians believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. Fifty percent of Christians believe that Sodom and Gomorrah were married. That sounds funny. But it should be concerning that while we can put Bibles into the palms of every person who has a smartphone, we have become less intelligent in knowing what the Bible says. Some of you saw it. I used it on a recent Bible study where, where on Jeopardy, the question was, uh, what, 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 does, what, does, what does this prayer say? Uh, Our Father who art in heaven, and they were supposed to finish with one word, the next word being hallowed, be thy name. And no contestant on Jeopardy could ring in and say hallowed. You don't believe biblical literacy is low? What have we and what are we? Because So... That's why, in part, we as a congregation have turned our attention to developing a deeper relationship with the Word of God. If you've been following along with us over the course of the last few weeks, you know that we've been focusing our attention as a congregation on the Word of God. Specifically, we have lifted up to you in the last few sermons a few key points. We talked about the idea that the Word of God is the inspired Word. For all scripture is given by inspiration of God, so says the Apostle Paul. We also said that the word of God is alive and active, or it is a living word that, has, that is ancient and yet it is applicable. It is old but is not outdated. That has meaning for you and me today. But in order to understand what it means today, we have to understand what it meant when it was written. I encouraged you. 
to stay in the word because the word of God has both power and purpose. Paul said that it's good for doctrine. It's good for reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness. And from that, we determine that this living word is given to inform our worldview. It's given to transform our behavior. It's given to reform our thinking. And it's given to conform our image. I've shared with you that the Word of God is written in different genres, including the Old Testament uh, and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there are 39 books. In the New Testament, there are 27 books. We talked about all of the various genres, the historical narrative, the, the prophecy, the poetry, the, the songs the songs, and the sermons that, that comprise the Old Testament. So we're getting you ready to, to know what the Bible is, how it's comprised, how it's constructed, so that as we read the Bible, we can properly locate Locate scripture. Locate ourselves in that scripture. This morning, I want to try and answer a question that is always seems to be hanging around somewhere in the background. When it comes to teaching the Bible, interpreting the Bible, and understanding how the Bible came to be. And that question is this. Can I really trust the Bible as being God's word? That's the question that in some form or fashion, finds itself circulating, particularly around this time of year as we make our way to the resurrection. Oftentimes during this time of year on CNN and other historical type programming, you'll see uh, 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 episodes where uh, skeptics begin to question what the Bible is and what the Bible says and where it came from closer we get to the resurrection, you can expect to hear and see more attacks on the validity and the authenticity of God's word. The question of the biblical canon and, and what was left out of the Bible and what was brought into the Bible, how scripture has been handled and in some cases mishandled and manipulated. Because remember, in all fairness, this book that we love, this book that we adore, has been used and is still being used to support all kinds of isms of man. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. This book has been in the hands of slave owners who used it to justify their position of dehumanizing black people. This book. This book has been in the hands of sexists who use it to subjugate and oppress women. This book. This book is in the hands of racist nationalists who have used it for ethnic cleansing and genocide around the world. This book, it is even being used right now by Christian Zionists to justify Israel's response to Hamas by killing Palestinians in Gaza without regard. So we know historically people have misused this book. People have mishandled this book. And people have caused wars because of... Come on and talk to me here. Uh, and so one can understand why it raises skepticism in its trustworthiness. Can I trust a book that seems to give credence and cover for so much chaos and corruption? Can I trust a book that is so often at the center of controversy? Can I trust a book that seems to condemn people to hell while at the same time it presents God as a God of love, grace, and mercy? 
people. Let me begin to answer these questions by reminding you that Jesus himself lived his life in relationship with the word of God. Jesus, the light of the world, the son of God, lived his life in relationship to the word of God. When he first enters public ministry, Jesus goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath and receives the scrolls of Isaiah's writing and begins to read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Luke says that he closed the book and gave it to the minister and sat down. And while all eyes were fixed on him, Jesus said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying Jesus lived in relationship to God's word. Remember when the devil tempted him? To turn stones into bread after he'd been fasting for 40 days? And Jesus responded saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The devil, the devil took him up on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, well, if if you're the son of God, if you're the who you say you are, then cast yourself down from here because since you're a man of the word, you know the word also says. It also says that he'll give your angels charge over you lest you dash your foot on the stone. Jesus. Jesus looked at the devil and that ought to warn somebody because first of all, the devil knows scripture too. And just because he can quote it don't mean he's in relationship with it. You better watch some of these preachers. You better watch some of these teachers. Just because it sounds good does not mean they are in proper relationship with the living word of God. Wish I had a witness in here. Jesus saw how Satan was twisting the scripture to try to get the son of God to hurt himself by killing himself. And, and Jesus says, it is also written, don't tip the Lord your God. The devil said to him, all right, I'm through playing games with you now. Let's make a deal. You see all these kingdoms of the world? Look over there. Look at the riches of Egypt. Look there at the power of Rome. Look, look over there at the expanse of Asia. Look, look there at the natural resources of Africa. Look, look all across the kingdoms of the world. I'll give you all of this. And all you have to do is fall down and worship me. And what did Jesus do? He went back to the scriptures a third time. Said, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Here's the point that I'm trying to make, that Jesus Christ relied on the word of God. 
Jesus was in faithful relationship with the word of God. Jesus responded to evil using the word of God. And if the word of God was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. If Jesus said, I'm going to use the word. If Jesus said, I'm going to quote the scripture. If Jesus said, I'm going to stand on his word. It's good. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for mama. It's good enough for dad. It's good enough for us. Jesus relied on and lived in relationship with God's word. And as faithful followers of Jesus Christ, we too must be in faithful relationship with God's word. I'm talking about you and God's word. Here in this text, John gives the basis for us to be in a faithful relationship with the word of God. John's gospel is unique in that the writer explains exactly why he wrote the account of Jesus and his ministry. In John chapter 20, verse 31, John writes, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. With this being his purpose, that we would have confidence in our faith, assurance in our hope, certainty that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, John writes his gospel and he begins with these words in the beginning in the beginning was the word the word was with God the word was God now Matthew begins his gospel with a genealogy tracing Jesus's ancestral heritage but John pulls back the curtain of the cosmos in order to establish the eternal presence of Jesus, rather than situating him simply through his bloodline. John points to his eternality. In the beginning. I know he was born of a virgin named Mary, but in the beginning. I know that he was raised by a carpenter named Joseph, but in the beginning. I, I know that he is of the lineage of King David, but in the beginning, before David and Jesse, before Isaac and Jacob, before Abraham and Moses, before Noah and Adam, in the beginning. And with these introductory words, John begins to offer an explanation of why and how we can relate to the word of God with resolve and confidence in what it says. Because ultimately, Christians need to be confident in the word of God. Believers need to be bold in their defense of the word of God. Disciples need to be firm in their foundational understanding of the word of God. Followers of Christ need to be faithful in our relationship and responsible in our dealings with the word of God. And in order to be faithful in our relationship, in your relationship with God's word, the first thing you got to do, write it down, is recognize its eternal value. Recognize its eternal value. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Remember that John's aim is to make us to know and believe that Jesus is the Christ. So when he begins by talking about the word, John is connecting Jesus with the word and says of him that Jesus and the, is therefore the living word and it is located outside of time in the beginning. 
It's the same phrase that starts the Old Testament in Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He places the word in the same space with God. He locates the word in eternity with the divine, which suggests that Jesus has a view, that John has a view of Jesus beyond his flesh and blood. And then he invites us to do the same. In the beginning was the word. Watch this. And the word was with God. That's his location. But not only does John take time to tell us his location, but, but he goes a step further to tell us about his identity. He says not only was the word with God, but the word was God. This is Theology 101 because John is really giving us a picture of the Godhead by identifying Jesus, the Word, as God. There is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. All three are perfectly God. All three are holy God. All three are completely God. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. So what John offers is a picture of Jesus as the eternal word that was both God and was with God. What John wants us to walk away with then is the appreciation of the eternality of Jesus as the living word of God. When we approach the scriptures, we need to do so from the perspective that this word is not something new, y'all. It's not something recent, but it's eternal. This is not some new discovery, but it was in the beginning. This word is not simply a product of man's imagination, but it is a testament of God's eternal character because it is God. And you must remember that neither God nor his word is limited by time nor constrained by a calendar. Neither God nor his word is confined by chronology or defined by space. By space. God and his word are extensive. God and his word are expansive. God and his his word are limitless God and his word have eternal value that means that not only was it in the beginning but it's going to be in the end because God is alpha and omega the first and the last the beginning and the end because he is those things then so is his word many books will be published but no other book will outlast this book. This book will have the last word. Uh, it is said that French philosopher Voltaire once declared a hundred years from now that the Bible will be a forgotten book. Voltaire died in 1778, living to be about 84 years old, but the Bible is still here. People have forgotten Voltaire's writings, but the Bible's truth. Ah, it remains forever. I heard Isaiah say the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. I heard Jesus say heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. This same Jesus once declared, verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled, which ultimately means that the word of God has eternal and everlasting value in the Christian's life. It has value for you now. 
And it'll have value until you leave this world. Eternal value. This ain't going nowhere. They, 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 they could burn them all up and somehow God by his divine power will make sure that his word lasts forever. Secondly, to be faithful in our relationship with God's word, we must regard its creative impact. Verse 3 says, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John says, listen, the word not only has, is eternal in its nature, but it is creative in its function. The word has, somebody say creative. It has creative force. In the creation account of Genesis 1, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 6, then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and it was so. Verse 9, then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and it was so. Verse 11, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, and it was so. Verse 14, then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and it was so. Verse 20, then God said, let the waters abound with the abundance of living creatures, and it was so verse 24 then God said let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind and it was so verse 26 then God said let us make man in our own image what is the point the point of it is this that the word of God has creative power he spoke and the world came into existence God's word creates God's word changes conditions. God's word has the power to make order out of chaos. God's word brings light to dark situations. God's word makes barren places fruitful. God's word turns parched fields into green pastures. God's word gives wings to our highest hopes. God's word transforms life's empty landscapes into lush oases of promise and potential. God's word creates for us a firm foundation upon which we can build our our lives and as faithful followers of Jesus Christ we must rely on and utilize the creative impact of God's word what are you saying preacher I'm saying you ought to start speaking some things into and out of existence see we, we quick to speak stuff into existence I think you ought to start speaking some stuff out of. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. One of the reasons why evil persists in the world today is because believers don't speak to issues that ought to be addressed. We ought to say some things to some situations and speak it out of. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. We, we don't confront situations that ought to be confronted. We don't denounce injustice where it exists or point out immorality where it hides or call out devils where they do their dirt. But the word is meant to create new realities, to create God's righteousness in the world, to create God's will on earth as it is in heaven, to create policies that lift people up, to create communities that help restore dignity to people's lives, to create schools and school districts that 
that educate our children, to create new businesses in our communities that restore broken economies and eradicate generational poverty. It's time for us to speak some things into existence and also out of existence. You tired of things being the way they are? Say something about it. You tired of things being the way they are? Get up and vote. Say something about it. Speak to it. Speak to the wrong. Call it what it is. And get ready to lose some friends. Some of this foolishness going on in our city, in our county, and we just letting it happen. I just believe that if we speak that which comes from the mind of God and from the heart of God into the earth, that his word still has the power to create new things today. Finally, and I'm done. To be faithful in our relationship with God's word, we must respect its incarnational character. Respect its incarnational character. Verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Lastly, and I'm done, this text shows us that the word is in fact Jesus because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I'm convinced of this. Your Bible reading is insufficient and undone unless the word becomes flesh. Your, your, your Bible reading is missing the mark unless what you read takes on flesh, becomes a part of who you are becomes how you live your life, becomes how you relate to your spouse, how you deal with your children. It is insufficient to just be readers of the word and hearers of the word and not doers. The word became flesh. In other words, it took on life. It wasn't just words on a page. It took on life. It had relationship. It entered into conversation with people. It, it took on life. It, 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 it then gave you the ability to forgive folk who, 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 who hurt you and, 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 and extend grace when, when, when people don't deserve it because after all, that's what grace is. You do know you don't deserve it either, right? Until the word becomes flesh. And so what John has us to know is that we must respect the incarnational character of God's word. For this word did not remain in written form of the Old Testament. But it became flesh in the person and the personality 
of Jesus Christ. The word took on human form and became the embodiment of divinity. The hymnologist put that doctrine into lyrics writing, O word of God incarnate, O wisdom from on high, O truth unchanged, unchanging, O light of our dark sky. We praise thee for the radiance that from the hallowed page, a lantern to our footsteps shines from age to age. Ultimately, this means that as a believer, I need to hold, watch this, the scripture in high regard. Another way of saying that is having a high view of God's word. Now, I believe this. A lot of the problems, even in the church, would go away if the church had a high view of Scripture. If, if, if churches just decided we're going to do what the Bible says, it's the Bible will have the last word in our meetings. Churches wouldn't be falling out with each other. If we just decided that you can say what you want, I can say what I want, but in the end of this meeting, we need to know what God said. It's a shame. Churches find themselves in courthouses. Judges trying to keep church folk from fighting. All because of what the bylaws say. What the Constitution say. And folks study their constitution and bylaws more. They can tell you what's in Article 6, Section A, Line 32. But they can't find Luke's gospel. What does God's word say? We must have a high view of the word of God. The reason I can preach like this is because as president of our convention, I know what's going on in our churches. I hear and I see firsthand folk who say they love the Lord. Falling out with each other over trivial matters. I can preach like this because I have to moderate meetings that hurt my heart to think that folk who are older than I am ain't got no better sense and no better faith and no better God on their side. It hurts. And as a church, we must reclaim a high view of God's word. Simply means this. At the end, his word has final authority. Period. I'm done. I'm going to read the scripture and I'm done. Y'all sit down. I'm done. I'm done. 
You know what the problem is, mother? Let me tell you what the problem is. We treat this book like it's every other book. And we've lost our tremble. Isaiah chapter 66 verse 2. I probably didn't highlight this in my notes so you'll have to look this up when you get home. But Isaiah 66 and verse 2 says this. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. We've lost our tremble. It used to be a reverence, a holy respect. Not just for the word of God, but for the place of God. We've lost our tremble. Things you used to do throughout the week, you'd stop doing it on Sunday. Just out of respect of it being God's day, we've lost our tremble. We, we, we don't reverence and respect the things of God. Anymore, we lost our tremble. So let's reclaim it. Let's recover a healthy respect for what this word represents. God revealed. The incarnate word of God. Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. Pull that up for me if you will. Yeah, you can play. Thank you. I'm just going to end reading these scriptures. Nehemiah chapter 8. I need you all to find that. Look at this with me. Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. Listen to this. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. They spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded to Israel. Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women, 
and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Verse 5, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Ezra blessed the Lord, great God. And all the people answered, Amen. Amen. With lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. You know what grabbed me in that text? Ezra wasn't preaching. He was just reading. He didn't exegete the text. He didn't interpret the text. He just read the text. And apparently, just reading the word. Was enough for the people to fall out in worship. That's a high view of scripture. When you have a high view of scripture, you don't have to be pumped and, and prodded and, and made to feel a certain way. Just give me the word. The word is enough. The word will make me feel his presence. The word will bring me into his. The word of God is enough. healthy view, a high view of God's word will make you reverence God and his word. They stood up because he was reading the word of God. See, we can't sit down on God's word. God's been too good to us for us to just sit here and act like this, this a romance novel. This, 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 it, it is a story about love, though. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Thank you, young man. Look at that young man there standing up. Because even he knows it's something about the word of God. And if a young boy can stand it, a young boy has enough in him to say, this is something that I can't sit down on.
This is no ordinary word. And we don't serve an ordinary God. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. And give you his peace. Our Father and our God. We confess right now. That in many ways we have treated your word far too casually. In many ways we have related to your word far too commonly. Forgive us. Lord, reestablish in us a high view of your scripture. That we don't treat your word like anything else. That we won't mishandle it. We won't misinterpret it knowingly. But God, that we would allow your word to speak to us and then let that word become flesh. Our flesh. As we live it out each and every day. Lord, what your word tells us to do we'll do it. What your word tells us to avoid, we'll avoid it. How your word tells us to live, we'll live it. Starting right now. Right now. Right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' holy name. Hallelujah. And amen. When the word goes forth, It's an opportunity for us to respond. And maybe there's someone here this morning who needs to respond. Because the living word has pricked your heart. The living word has touched your soul. The living word has met you where you are. Maybe you're, you can identify with having a low view of scripture and you just simply need to say, Lord, I've, I'm rededicating my life to seeing you in your highness, to seeing your word in its holiness. I'm coming back to you, God. Wherever you are, whoever you are, maybe you need to give your life to Christ. Maybe you need to join a church. Maybe you've been out there and trying to figure out where the Lord would have you to anchor and and be planted and get rooted and grow. If either of those situations fit your condition, I invite you to come now. Won't you respond to the living word of God simply saying, yes, I, I heard the Lord. I heard the Lord. I, I hear the Lord speaking even now. And I'm either coming for the first time or I'm coming back home. 
I'm asking for restoration. I'm asking for rededication. Whatever it is, I'm coming now. Hallelujah. The doors of the church are open. Come now. Come on, come on, come on. We don't need another political uprising. Come on, come on. Hallelujah. Yellow. We don't need another conqueror on the scene. My God, my God. Tell us. What we need is a special word. Yeah. That will burn within our hearts mm. and give us direction <laughs> from above we need a word from the Lord yeah yes a word from the Lord just one word from the Lord will move all the doubts and cause the sun to shine and give peace of mind speak Lord speak speak Lord we lack thy wisdom and thine understanding. Wherever you are, you have time. You still have time. Come on. Come on. Lord, we lack the very love. <laughs> yes. You showed in the sun. Yeah, Lord. Yeah. Lord, we've altered in thy ways. Mm. Still, we stand so much to gain. My God. So give us your word, yeah, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us, give us your word. Speak, Lord. Come on, won't you stand? Everybody stand. Everybody stand. We need a word. You still have time. A word. A word from the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just one word. Just one word. From the Lord. What will it do? We'll move all the doubts and cause the sun to shine. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. say amen. Let's say amen again. We need a word from the Lord. Here's the good news, y'all. We got the word from the Lord. We have the word from the Lord. We invite you to continue studying with us over our 28 days of prayer and fasting. Hopefully you're all getting the uh, information via text and on our Facebook page as well. Uh, go to the K-Chapel site if you need to, the K-Chapel website, kchapel.org. Follow along with us each and every day. There's a video that's about 10 to 12 minutes long uh, that will help you in your devotional time, help you to continue to dig deeper in your foundation of what God's Word is. I told you after we finish the 28 days, after we finish learning how to study God's Word, then we're going to read God's Word from cover Grandma said, kiver to kiver. Amen. We're going to read it from cover to cover. Amen. And so we invite you to get ready to read God's word and discover the wonderful things that are in the word of God. Amen. Amen. Are you excited?
Y'all excited? Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. The rain kept a few people away, but that's all right. I see a few, I see a few green seats out there this morning. Amen. If your pew partner in here, you call them and tell them they make umbrellas for that. Amen. Tell them they make umbrellas for that. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each of you now, henceforth, and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. God bless you. Go in peace. <laughs>